I would say the biggest thing is, is getting educated. And yeah, sometimes when you hear this term, it seems really sci-fi and it seems really far off, but it will be here before you know it. You're listening to KBCast, the cybersecurity podcast for all executives. Cutting through the jargon and hype to understand the landscape where risk and technology meet. Now, here's your host, Carissa Breen. Shanisa, welcome to the show. You are joining us from the United States, as people will be able to tell by your accent. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here today because when we spoke initially, we're going to be covering a really cool topic. And I think probably since we spoke, it's becoming really prevalent uh, in the media and the news at the moment. So I definitely think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of this interview today. But before we get into that, we always like to start our podcast off with talking about you and your professional journey. So please walk our listeners through where you started and where you are now. Well, first, I want to say thank you for having me. And again, yes, I am from the United States, and I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, my name is Shanisa Cambrick. I have been in the IT industry for over 20 plus years. I'll try not to give my age away here. Um, I've had the opportunity to work in a wide range of industries, which includes retail, consumer goods, aerospace, and technology. And I'm currently a product manager with Microsoft, working in our intelligent identity protections division, working on emerging identities. Wow. Um, Yeah. So this is what I really want to get into today. So, all right, let's jump into it. So people obviously know what Meta is or they've heard of it. I mean, I think it depends who you speak to. I think people are still like very taken aback on like what it is, what it means. But uh, you spoke just before about the emerging identity. So I'm really keen to explore like what it is first and foremost. Yeah. So emerging identity to me is all that that fun stuff when you think about the digital world. Um, you know, in the past, identity was like this physical thing. So maybe it was a document that had your, your name and some ID number or a badge. And then now it's things like IoT devices. Um, you know, even with smart cities and, and cars and even your appliances in your kitchen, all these things have some type of identity when it comes to the digital world. And so how do we protect those identities? How do we make sure they're not being used in a malicious way? So do you think that, like, okay, let's go really back. How do we get like a, a emerging identity? So where we are today, how do, like, I was speaking to someone recently and they're like, oh, like we're using a firm to like get us onto the, to the metaverse and all this crazy talk, like all this tr- crazy conversation. I spoke to a lady the other day and she was overseas and she's like, oh, like in the future, you and I could go to Subway, sit in Subway on like the metaverse and have this conversation. And I think that I'm in this space and it's like blowing my mind. So I can just sort of put myself uh, in the shoes of other people of like, but what does this actually like mean? Like what, what does it mean for us moving forward? Yeah, so it's this whole evolution, uh, again, of, you know, who you are um, when it comes to an identity. So there's this physical piece of you, but then in the future, there's going to be this virtual piece or this augmented piece of how you experience the world. Um, You know, some of that will be, you know, tied to the physical world and some of that will be part of, you know, just this whole digital immersive experience where you get to build this avatar of who you want to be and how you want to present yourself to other individuals. Uh, You know, that avatar maybe something that does represent you in real life, like it looks like you and, you know, talks and walks like you. Uh, 
but it could be something that's totally different. You know, I'm here in the United States. I can make an avatar that sounds like I'm from Australia in the future. And so, you know, one of the things that my team is invested in is how do we make sure that people, when they go into these digital worlds, um, that they can trust the identities that they're interacting with, um, that there's some fidelity. And when I think about identities, it's not just, you know, individuals like me and you as people. There's also identities of businesses when you go to the metaverse. Like when you interact with those businesses, how do you know, you know, for example, you work with Chase Bank, uh, you know, and how do you know that's actually Chase Bank that you're operating with? You know, maybe this avatar comes up and says, you know, we've found that there's been this fraudulent transaction on your account within the metaverse. And you start to respond to this individual. How do you know that's who? you know, truly who you think they are. And that gets into the heart of, you know, why I get so excited about what my team does. Yeah, but this is where it gets wild, right? Like, I mean, there's so much in there, what you just said. So let's, okay, let's start from how do you know or verify or validate someone is from Chase Bank? Like, how do you do that? Because it's going to get so convoluted, like if there's not a real way. Now I can explain why. So for example, which I think I'm probably going to ask you anyway, but there's a way of validating like human identities now, but now we're, we're introducing more complexity and people already have security problems now. I feel like we're going to have a lot more problem on our hands moving forward into this new digital sort of atmosphere. Yeah. And, and I would agree with that, you know, especially if we don't get in front of, you know, some of the things that we see could be problems. Uh, there's this whole philosophy around verifiable credentials, where there's this standard about digital credentials, and there's an organization that will be able to say, you know, we've vetted this identity, and now you can trust who that identity is. Um, So, you know, looking at some safeguards that way. One thing it doesn't necessarily touch on, at least not as strong as I think it should, is verifiable credentials for those businesses' identities. And then also, if you think about things like, you know, bots and those IoT devices and machine identities, you know, how do we vet those type of identities in the future? And so, you know, again, coming back to some of the the work that my team will be doing is coming up with what's that that kind of run rule um, when it comes to this. And one of the other things that kind of concerns me is that if you think about all the individuals who will be uh, working in these digital environments, there's a wide range of individuals who start off as digital natives. So you think about, you know, young children who are born with technology and they interact technology from day one. And then you have older, you know, citizens who have grown up with this concept of physical identity um, and understanding what a, you know, physical identity theft is. But how do you translate that to digital identity theft and helping them to stay protected? So break down, how does that look when someone steals your digital identity? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the interesting things there is that, you know, I mentioned about this verifiable credentials, but then also in the future, as we think about the metaverse and how those things will work, it's a decentralized concept. So you own that identity that's going into that environment. And should you lose, uh, you know, your password or your way to authenticate, that's gone. Wow. You know, and and I think about people like my mother who goes to Facebook and she probably has four or five accounts because she's lost her password and had to reset that all over. Um, When it comes to this whole digital identity in the future and you own it, you have this this one, you know, centralized identity 
or this one ownership of identity and you lose the rights to that, how do you reset that? Who is the authority that you go to to say, I really am me at that point? Wow, it's exactly what I was thinking as you're speaking about your mother. I'm like thinking people are hopeless now. Okay, so who who has that authority? No one, basically. Right now, no one has that authority. You know, going back to the verifiable credentials, there will be these organizations who will help to assert who an identity is. But one of my fears or concerns there is that's going to be one of our new attack vectors. So if we're trusting these authorities to vet individuals, you know, then that's who attackers will go after to start assuming identities and start impersonating other individuals. Oh, gosh, this is getting really crazy now. So who are these authorities? So for so if I go back a second, do you think like companies like Meta have like thought this through? Like who's going to manage this stuff? Because People, even the best of people, things happen, they lose things or, or whatever it is. So imagine that you've got two ends of the spectrum, someone who's really good at all the stuff and then someone who's pretty hopeless and forgetful. How is this just going to work there? Like, ha- have companies not thought this through, perhaps? Well, I'm hoping that other companies are thinking through this. Um, you know, again, I work for Microsoft, and, and that's basically what I do, is think through what is this new future going to look like and how do we protect individuals? And I'm assuming other companies are as well. Um, one of the interesting facets, though, is that this space is moving so quick. And we know today that when it comes to security, it's, you know, security is always left behind. So how do we make sure security is in the forefront and not in the background when it comes to these type of things. So how do we ensure that security is at the forefront and not in the background? Yeah. So to me, it's it's education and making sure that people are aware of the consequences and the impact of this new digital society as we move into it. Uh, you know, when you become the sole owner of your digital identity, and what does that responsibility look like? And understanding that there is no authority that can now, you know, reassert who that digital identity is. Uh, you know, being aware of things like uh, social engineering and uh, spoofing attacks. And I believe those those are things that will become even more prevalent, especially the social engineering as we move into this, this whole digital society, that individuals, um, either themselves or through machine learning and AI, will learn those things about you that will allow you to uh, put your safeguards down. And so once you've put those safeguards down, that's an easy way in for them to steal information from you. So you spoke about education. So I totally agree with you there. One of the challenges that I sort of foresee is people don't get stuff now, um, like really basic stuff. And granted, it's not their fault. It's not their area. I kind of understand why. But then I think like if I zoom out, a lot of people still don't understand like this digital world, meta, all of that. Like I don't think people are even there yet. So how do we get them past that part, the first hurdle, and then on to all like, you know, verifying your identity? Oh, and then if you've got a business that creates a new set of, you know, verifiable credentials, like how does all that sort of look and how long will it take to to get people to adapt to this stuff? Now, I mean, if you go back to when the internet came out for consumers or, you know, the PC came out it was a new thing and yeah, people were saying like, oh, you know, internet's not going to be the next thing and it was. So I guess there's still that conversation whether this will be the next thing. But then how do we get people to that stage 
where they understand this concept and then they then understand they're responsible for their digital identity. Yeah, I think we'll have to start at at the basics. Well, there's actually two things, Uh, you know, starting at the basics. And then I believe that fortunately or unfortunately, however you choose to think about it, that there's going to need to be some standardized laws and regulations when it comes to this whole metaverse experience. Um, So going back to the basics, for individuals, we need to help them associate the security of their digital identity to something that everybody pretty much understands. Like you wouldn't give everybody on the street a key to your house. So helping individuals understand you don't give, you know, certain digital information away to people um, that you don't know, that you don't trust, that you have not been able to verify. Um, And then also being on their guard because this individual, this avatar may seem like it's me, but how do you really know? And so until you've gone through some channels to build up that trust, then keep your guard up. And then going back to the laws and the regulations, uh, right now it's it's kind of what I would call a, a wild west when it comes to the thought in how this metaverse operates. Right? There's a anybody could pretty much do their own thing. So how do we make sure that there's standards when it comes to security across these different platforms and how individuals, as they migrate through these different platforms, they can feel a sense of trust or they can recognize and say, you know, this looks suspicious. Maybe I need to back away from here. So do you know if the United States government's looking into having like laws and regulations around this? Is this something that they're taking like seriously? Is there something in place? Like how far away is this? To be honest, I feel like we have a ways to go. Um, Recently within the United States, there was some executive orders in terms of uh, digital currency, but that's different than saying this whole digital, this metaverse world. Um, So we're making steps to start looking at how we standardize things and how, uh, you know, you build in some security controls. Uh, But I think we still have a long way to go. I I believe people still feel like this metaverse concept is so far out there that, you know, it's going to take a while to get there. But in reality, if you think about, you know, games and things that we've seen in the past, you know, even Sims, which has been around for a very long time, that's a form of metaverse. So it's really not that far off to think that we're going to move to a a more immersive society. I loved the Sims. I think during COVID I purchased Sims 4. Oh, it's so great. Um, Okay. So question, how far, I mean, if you had to just take a guess with your experience and what you're doing day to day how far are we away from this like focus on the u.s maybe not australia because we're a lot further behind than you guys but i'm just curious to know like do you have any sort of indicative sort of timeline so this is just my personal gut feel so don't attribute this to any employer or anything like that but um, i would say a, a year to two years you'll start seeing more about this um, you know we're already seeing individuals put on concerts in the metaverse right uh, there's already ways for you to operate within your, your company to meet together in the metaverse so it's not really this this foreign concept anymore wow so question do you think now, I mean, depends on who you ask, but from your opinion, will we still have, will we just abandon our like physical identity? Like, will we still go out? I mean, you know, if, if I want to meet some friends, will I still go and meet them out or I won't do that anymore? Like, I'm just, I'm curious about the behavior. Yeah. And, and I would be 
I believe there's going to be a mix of behaviors. There's going to be some individuals who are so immersed in this this new um, digital world that that's where they like to be. That's where they want to stay. Um, that's where they've built a life for themselves and where they connect with individuals, you know, of like mind. And then there's going to be this other set of individuals who prefer, you know, this physical experience. And you, you kind of see it in the working world today, right? Where a lot of companies have given this hybrid approach where you can come into the office or you can work remotely. And there's a mix of people who, you know, take either side. Right. Um, so I believe this whole digital experience is going to be that same way. But at the end of this, you know, we still need that human contact. So I don't think that's ever going to fully go away in either regard. Well, I asked this because like, so many like doctors out there are saying that loneliness has really impacted people. So if we're at home and they are on the metaverse, it's kind of like, I get the theory you're around people, but you're not really like physically. And then the other thing is we all sit down at a desk for so long. So we have like back problems and neck problems, which is a problem. And then like, if you're just sitting down in the metaverse, like how are you exercising? So like, won't your physical health go like a bit like downhill? Like, I'm just curious about how does that work then? Yeah. Yeah. And so there's, there's a mix of experiences there. There's this augmented reality where it's, it's you, you know, you're, you're moving your, your body parts. Um, and you can see this as part of this immersive world. So there's the ability to exercise and do those type of things. And, um, you know, I think you can even see that in some exercise devices today. Like there's this thing called the mirror and you can see yourself, you know, actually working out within this mirror as a avatar. Um, so that's going to be available to people. Yeah. But that's just so weird though. Don't you think? Well, I think it, it's weird to people that have grown up a certain way. And I go back to, you know, these different age ranges and people who are digital natives. Um, you know, I have children and they've grown up and, you know, basically had devices from for a very long time. And so this is not weird to them. They fully understand this. I get that. I mean, I'm a millennial, but this is just next level. So you're saying I potentially in two years when we follow up on this, I was like, hey, she needs, I was just doing a workout in the metaverse. And, but I don't look like me. Or I could look like me, but I look like someone else. (laughs) Like, is that, is that what you're saying? That is possible today. Then I feel like people are going to be deluded then because they're going to be like, oh, I look like a certain way in real life or RL. And then I go on the metaverse, but I look completely different. It's just worrying. And that's why I feel like you'll have two schools of people, right? Because there's going to be these people who have built up an image and a life for themselves in the metaverse. It's totally different from the one um, in real life. And so they're going to prefer the, this digital image of themselves and, and stay there. Wow. Okay. So then which world is real? I guess the one in your head. <laughs> so- <laughs> but that is so confusing then. <laughs> and, you know, that that's a potential side effect, right? Is that, you know, some people may get confused of like, what is really reality for them? Well, that's where I was going with this. Now, I remember like years ago, I was reading something and I mean, you'll probably know this, like uh, younger, younger people playing these video games, violent video games, uh, which is obviously online. And then they would obviously take that same violence approach to the real world. That then become that's what I mean by that people are a bit deluded then. It's like, okay, well I can do it in the video game, but now I can't do that in real life. I can't just go and kill someone. Like there's consequences. 
how is that going to go down? Yeah. So I think for, you know, those who have grown up fully in this physical world and understand consequences of what happens, we need to make sure that those who grew up in this digital world understand that as well, Um, that you can't take these things that are simulated and that don't necessarily have consequences in a a digital environment where people don't necessarily die. uh, And you can't take those activities and those behaviors and put them in a physical environment. To be honest, I believe there's probably going to be a lot of uh, mental challenges. Uh, again, going back to distinguishing between what's really reality for you. Well, that's that's a lot. So you just mentioned earlier, anyone can do their own thing at the moment. It's a bit of a wild west. So is there laws? So, I mean, in Australia, I mean, as a rule of thumb, you can't go and murder someone in any country, right? You're just not allowed to do that. But you're saying like in this metaverse, there's just no laws, no rules. So then how are they going to regulate what you can and can't do? But then it's like, oh, but it's still a digital world. It doesn't really matter. But then it's like people are going to become sort of maybe desensitized to it because it's not the real world. But then which one's the real world? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, piece of being desensitized, I think, is important. Um, And For those who are lawmakers, this is going to be a really interesting challenge to say, you know, what, how do you draw a boundary between what you can and can't do in a digital environment? So we know there's, you know, certain language you can't use on certain platforms and things like that. But um, when it comes to this type of experience, it's almost like a game. Where do you draw the line for individuals? Where do you draw the line? Yeah, for me, (laughs) I you know, it's it's almost like you want to translate what's in your physical world, but then some of that doesn't doesn't apply. What do you mean by that, though? Translate from the physical world into this digital world. Yeah. So we were just talking about the fact of, you know, physical violence. Right. So you almost want to say, you know, you can't assault someone, but we already have video games where that's exactly what you do is you're assaulting someone. So, you know, how do we distinguish these things? Um, You know, again, to me, that's going to be a very interesting challenge for lawmakers and policymakers and even individuals for what we want to demand of this experience. I know this is like a dumb question, but like in a game, like, yes, you go and, you know, you're assaulting, killing people. Does that mean you can kill someone on the metaverse? Like, what does that mean? Well, uh, you know, and I've seen things you know online where yes you can do that where yes uh someone who's underage who technically technically should not be um in an environment like that can go into um some metaverse game pick up a a, a gun and and shoot someone or you know pretend like they're drinking alcohol and they're underage but th- this is the thing that gets me still the whole pretending that they're, it's not the same though Drinking like a gin and tonic in real life is very, very different to drinking a gin and tonic on the metaverse. Are people, are people just going to get to the stage where we don't do that anymore? Like, wow, this is so crazy. <laughs> now for me, yeah, I want to have my drink in real life. So. <laughs> I'm just rattled by this. Like, sorry, but like kids should know that like drinking a gin and tonic, like, yeah, okay, you're underage. I get that. But then like, it's still not better than drinking a gin and tonic in the real world. (laughs) Well, you know, for those people who want to put on a persona, maybe it is though. And then this is also an outlet, right? For people who want to do things that they can't get away with in the physical world, they can get away with them in this digital world. 
Okay, so when you say people that want to get away with things, so we're talking about the drinking, like potentially like what murdering someone comes under this now, like even that. I mean, I guess as you know, as far as you want to take it, to be honest, right? Whoa. So there's just no boundaries to this. Not yet. Nope. So do you envision someone? Now, I think, I mean, I don't know how much about like online gaming, but like there are some people that will game for like 24 hours straight. And I think one guy actually died because he didn't move. Like, do you see that happening with people? I do, unfortunately. I believe people are going to be so caught up in this immersive environment that yes, that that's going to be a possibility. And I don't know if you've ever played around with those, you know, um, VR headsets, but yeah, it could be really addictive. Yeah, I have it actually. Uh, I played uh, a game with a friend of mine. Uh, he's in security as well, and um, yeah, I found it quite heavy though. And then like my, I felt like my legs got so it was it was a physical violence game. Oh my gosh! Um, and I had like a gun in my hand, um, but it was actually kind of scary because it was like I actually was getting scared from it because I was like, this is really intense. Um, but of course it was a game and I wasn't, uh, delusional in the sense where I thought it was real life. So there was some element of that, but I guess what worries me is the next generation of like kids being born. Is this all that they're going to know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the part that worries me a bit too. And you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, using this device was pretty intense and for adults that I've spoken to, they all have similar comments. However, if you ask a kid about their experience with these things, they're going to tell you like how cool it is that, um, you know, it's just like them. This is, you know, just like real life for them. So there's this totally different mindset. And so, yeah, to your point, I am worried about the next generation and, you know, how do we make sure there's safeguards and there's limits for them? So one of the things I sort of want, I'm curious about is, so going back to verifying someone's identity. So for example, in today's real physical world, if you were to email me out of the blue, I could look you up on LinkedIn and check, you know, who you are. So that's an an obvious way and an easy way to like validate like, oh, you know, she needs to email me uh, from a Microsoft email. Oh, she also works at Microsoft on LinkedIn. But how are we going to like check if someone's real versus not real versus impersonating someone how are we going to be able to validate that now you sort of touched on it before but there's still really no like rule of thumb and people are already getting like scammed if you look at like tinder swindler and those types of things in this world now it's going to be even harder because there's no real way to validate that so i'm curious to know from a security perspective how that's going to look Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to poke on that a little bit about, you know, validating somebody through LinkedIn, um, because we know people already set up, you know, false profiles and there's there's bots and things there. So, you know, thinking that right now we already have this issue, it's just going to become even more extreme in this digital environment. And I feel like where this is headed is that there will be metaverse environments that are credentialed in some way to say, you know, we have this standard of security. These are the things that we check about individuals who have now set up an account. Um, You know, we won't share, you know, all these personal things about them, but we will let you know that we've validated who they are. So I feel like that's where we'll be headed um, is that there will be this verifiable credential on the meta side. Let me say metaverse, not just meta the company. So. So if you zoom out, I mean, obviously a few years ago, like Mark Zuckerberg was, you know, going through all those, uh, you know, 
the Senate hearing and getting questioned for a bunch of things. Do you think that like places like Meta slash Facebook would feel responsible perhaps from there being issues in our society? Are they going to own some of that responsibility, accountability, or do you think that they're just so far in it now that it doesn't matter now? So I feel like there's going to be a big debate. Like we have this big debate now about freedom of speech and what someone can or, or should or shouldn't say on a social platform. Right. And so this will just amplify, I believe, that whole debate of what someone should or should be able to do in a digital environment that's not physically impacting someone. Would you say this is going to help curb the trolling? So I think uh, in Australia. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like this will get worse. <laughs> no, no. Well, that's what I was thinking because they're trying to put in rules now about what you, you know, trying to police like people saying horrible things. But like, how is this going to play out? People can say what they want now because it's hard. Like, it's a, it's a really hard thing to sort of. We don't want to stop people from prohibiting people from saying stuff. But then if you do that, people then say, okay, well, I can say whatever I want. Um, so it's it's really hard to put a ring fence around these things. So it's I do get it to struggle, but like what. It, What's it going to look like moving forward? Are people just going to walk around the metaverse and say, hey, you suck or something like that? Like, obviously, at worst, words are probably going to be used. But what, like, what does that look like? And, you know, considering that people can do that now and in this whole metaverse, you now have this avatar that may be nothing like you. Uh, I, I believe this is just going to amplify that whole experience of I can do these things and get away with them, that there's no repercussions of me doing this. Yeah, that's a good point. So I guess I'm not going to go out. So I mean, yes, you could, you could do that now, but no one does that really. Not, I don't know. In Australia, I don't really see people doing that. I mean, unless there's some argument or some bar fight, yeah, maybe. But like very rarely if someone's just, I don't know, walking on the street, it's very rare for someone to come up and start like just swearing at them, for example. But would you say that perhaps people don't do it because they are attached to this physical identity and then like, oh, well, yeah, now we've got you on CCTV and now everyone knows that there's an issue with you and we're going to promote that. Whereas in the metaverse, that kind of doesn't really exist because it could look like you, but it couldn't look like you. So it's actually going to create, people can hide behind things more than they're hiding behind computer screens today. I think you have totally hit the the nail on the head. Um, in the physical environment, you have all these other individuals who are witnessing you performing this behavior. So you may and maybe not um, feel this sense of you know shame for doing certain things or um, you know remorse about that. In this digital world, they don't know who you are necessarily. You don't know who they are. So why do you care what they see or what they don't see? Yeah, I know, but that's where it gets so. Like, are we almost going to, like, not even just uh, create this next generation, but even with the people that exist today, like, is no one going to care for each other? Is no one going to be kind? Is it just going to breed narcissistic behavior? Because, I don't know, people look like some eight-pack dude at the gym pumping all these weights. Like, what is, like, I'm just curious to know, like, how this is going to play out, like, long-term. 
And, and I'm glad you asked that question because, you know, we've talked about a lot of negative things, but I can see that there's a lot of good that can actually come from this as well as well. Um, you know, think about people who may not have the ability to travel and now they can immerse themselves in, in uh, an experience that's like they're in some other country, for example. Uh, you will now, you know, think about this pandemic and people being, uh, having to stay at home. Uh, but now you can have this experience where you're gathered together, you know, virtually um, in a classroom or in an environment with other uh, individuals and you get to share that experience together. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier about there's uh, concerts that are happening within the metaverse now. So you get to experience those things. And then think about people who are differently abled, who can't, who are challenged when it comes to a physical world. But now they get to experience certain things within this digital world. So there, there's good that can come from this. So would you say because of the pandemic, perhaps it sort of expedited this new world? Or do you think that it was... It was around. It was going to happen around this time anyway. So there's no real sort of rush. So there was no sort of catalyst to sort of having this metaverse just uh, be launched upon us, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. There's no question that the pandemic um, brought this probably a couple of years earlier than it, it would have been on its own. Um, you know, again, I'm thinking about with with my children and their experience of doing school from from home. Um, and being online and, and having to or wanting to be able to interact with classmates, but not being able to. And the metaverse will potentially alleviate things like that. Um, I don't believe the pandemic will ever 100 percent go away. This whole covid thing, um, there's you know, in the future, there's potential that maybe we see other types of viruses or other types of events that require us to be remote or, you know, digitally um, enabled. So. This is this can be a good thing, but yeah, the, I think COVID actually did bring this a few years um, earlier than we normally would have re- received this. So, what are your concerns then, from a security perspective, with this new emerging identity, but this new digital world, especially because you're working in this space? Can you talk through what some of those concerns are? Yeah, yeah. So, a few concerns for me are, you know, going back to that. Um, uh, when I mentioned about the businesses and when you're interacting with the metaverse and understanding whether or not this business that you're giving money to is really the business that you intend to operate with. Also understanding for people who may be a little less digitally savvy, older individuals uh, potentially, how do we make sure that they understand the safeguards and, and don't let their um, guards down when it comes to individuals who may be impersonating a family member or somebody that they trust? Um, making sure that they understand that they should question those type of things. And then for me and the business that I'm in today um, in identity protection, we want to build uh, detections that look at anomalies of user behaviors, um, understanding the way that this identity is operating, does this match up to patterns in the past? And so not just an individual user's identity or a business identity, but going back to those machine identities and IoT and smart devices and making sure that those things haven't been um, influenced to do bad things. Wow. Okay. What are you more, con- I mean, you're both concerned about an individual slash consumer as well as a business, but which one do you think is going to generate greater concern? Definitely on the business side, would you say? And then how a business is going to navigate through this new sort of charted, you know, uncharted waters? 
So it'll be to me like a mix of consumer experience and the business experience. And one of the things that comes to mind for me is the growth of telehealth with the whole pandemic ex- experience, right? Um, and I believe that's going to only um, continue to grow. And so when you're online and you're interacting with this individual that you believe to be a doctor and they're giving you this guidance and this advice, uh, you know, how do we make sure that, that that's that's trusted? Um, how do we make sure that your information that you're giving to them is, is safeguarded as well? So those are big factors for me. And then from a business standpoint, how do we continue to enforce the mindset of, of zero trust, which is, you know, the buzzword of the day, buzzword of the year will continue to forever be a buzzword. Um, but it's, it's really something that we need to understand. How do we embrace this in this new type of digital environment? And it really applies not only to businesses, but also to ind- individuals as well. So it sounds to me like going back to the, your doctor example, that we're going to have to really question everything. But then do you think that then sort of as a byproduct of questioning everything to see whether it's valid or if it's true or not true, as this person you know, say, they is, say they are, is it going to create like a level of paranoia then? Maybe a level of paranoia, but I think also a level of fatigue where, you know, people are going to start letting their guard down and, and um, you know, say la vie, whatever happens, let me take a chance type of, um, you know, perception of, of things. And until there's a big incident that occurs in that individual's life, you know, they may allow themselves to um, have their safeguards down, unfortunately. It always feels like as you're speaking, it's like we're starting a whole new society again, like we're cavemen, like rules weren't written back then. Like back in the day, you were like, you know, as a you look at, um, you know, anthropology, people were staying up at night to make sure like no one was going to attack them and then someone would sleep and then you'd, you'd swap and then it's like because someone had to have your back. So it kind of feels like that, but it like fast forward like thousands of years, obviously, but I feel like that in because it's like, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know like who's out to get us, who's good and who's not good. Whereas like in today's world, like, yes, of course, there's always an element of that, but like generally like you are relatively safe. You sort of know what's right, what's not right. Like you don't walk down a dark alley at night as a, you know, as a female, or even as a male, like things like that. But now it just seems like who knows, like there's there's rules written for really no one on, or, or nothing. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just sort of expressing how I see this this world. But then it's like, how, how are we going to navigate this? Who's going to say this is what we can do? And like, who decides that? Like in our physical world, it's, it's our governments, right? That they set the rules and then you've got police and you've got all these other things. But I don't know whether I don't. Yeah, this just seems really like who decides. Yeah, it's such an interesting uh, statement that you made because really, this is to me. This will be a pivot point. Uh, you know, we'll look back in history and say this was a turning point for mankind of when we move to this whole new digital world. And you're right; it's it's like going back to caveman days where we got to reestablish what's the order of how things should happen here. So do you see that as a good or a bad thing then if we've got to reestablish? Because I guess like recalibrating things sometimes isn't always a bad thing, but are we really starting from a place because we've got so much technology now that we've, we're have we equipped with a lot more stuff than like back in the day when you've got like 
rocks. So like you, you don't have all this stuff, right? Like I'm just just curious to know, like, yeah, from a behavioral point of view. Yeah, and for me, I think this can be a really good thing as long as people that are in, you know, security industry and industries that think about what the implications can be if we don't do this right, uh, you know, take a stand and say, here's where we think best practice should be. Um, Here are safeguards that we think should be put in place. Um, And that we're working together to make sure that the right things are being done, which may mean that, you know, you don't get to do whatever you want to do in this digital world. Um, But it's for the greater good uh, of mankind that we don't allow this. So there's going to be some trade-offs of, you know, that freedom and flexibility versus, you know, safety and and privacy um, for, for all individuals. Do you think privacy will exist in this new world? Privacy will exist in this new world. How that looks is going to be interesting. You know, going back to the example of kids now can go into games and, and do certain things. Um, there's There may be age limits to going into certain, you know, metaverse environments. And how do they check those age restrictions? How do they, you know, going back to validating who you are, how do they protect your information that you're sharing with them, um, but then also let other individuals know that you are who you say you are. So the way that we look at privacy, I think is going to have to change, have to shift. Um, But it's going into the hands of the individual, which today a lot of that is, you know, you as an individual gets to say um, what information I want shared with this company. I think that's going to go to um, a next level even further. So going back to you owning your digital identity, you will also now be able to say, as part of that identity, I'm sharing this information with these different companies, these different metaverse platforms, these different individuals. And so, you know, you'll be able to look into your phone and say, these are all the people who should have my information, or these are all the companies who should have my information because I've shared it. And you'll be able to revoke that information just as easily. As a parent, would you say that, Obviously now, like if you want to check something or you want to prohibit science from your children, you can do that. Would you be able to do that in the metaverse or is it like, no, we don't allow that, sorry. So how are parents going to be able to, to uh, I guess, audit what their children are, are doing? Like if a kid's five, they shouldn't be sort of exposed to a range of things that exist in the world, right? I mean, we do that in the physical world. So how 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 is that going to look? And so even today, there, there's a bit of a challenge um, with making sure that young individuals only have access to certain things. So they know how to get around those controls at times. TikTok is a good guide for them of, of how to bypass those controls. Uh, I think that will only grow in the future. And so the only way that you will have certainty of what your children are or aren't accessing is if you have their device and you're with them 24-7. So there's going to be a level of control that the parents are going to have to uh, either let go if they decide to allow you know, their children to go into this meta world, or um, they're going to have to crack down and, and basically be looking over the shoulder of these individuals uh, to see what are you doing. Do you think it's just going to become ubiquitous? So if you look at, I don't know, in the next 10 to 20 years of children being born is this going to be okay as soon as you're old enough to like walk and talk you basically emerged into it like how's that transition period going to be from like a physical identity like when you're when you're a newborn baby like you can't even really move so there's like obviously not at that stage but 
when is it going to be the time where it's like, okay, cool, you're now five or four, you can get to go into the metaverse. Is that what's going to be? Because it's everyone's going to be in this world then, so it's it's going to feel normal. It just feels a little bit foreign at the moment because it's it's not a thing right now. But how quickly will it become a thing for like a child? Yeah, and you know, you you mentioned about a, a baby, and maybe that's too young. But if you think about it, or you know, here in the United States, from the time that you're born, within that first week, you get a social security number, you get an identity assigned to you. So in the future, it's probably going to be that same way. From the time that you're born, you will have this digital identity that's assigned to you, and you know, maybe your parents. Or will safeguard that until you get to a certain age of maturity. Um, but I think it's going to operate pretty much the same way. And I've been reading some articles in that there's some, you know, government, country governments that are looking into moving to, you know, digital identities um, as a way of tracking their citizens. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a very strong, valid point that you raised there. If you had maybe some piece of advice for individuals, but also for businesses from a security perspective, is there any sort of things that you'd like to sort of leave our audience with today? Well, for me, I would say the biggest thing is is getting educated. And yeah, sometimes when you hear this term, it seems really sci-fi and it seems really far off, but it will be here before you know it. And um, I would prefer that businesses and individuals not be caught off guard, you know, start educating yourself about what this is. The other piece about this is understanding how you can protect yourself today from a digital standpoint, uh, you know, using things like multi-factor authentication, uh, making sure that when it comes to what you're sharing online about yourself, that you're not oversharing so that people can't use that to uh, social engineer you um, and hack into uh, accounts of uh, your information. And the other thing I would say is, you know, be on the lookout for how this will evolve and change and and be an active citizen. So if you see something, say something, (laughs) you know, speak up. And and this is going to be a society that we all need to operate in. So let's make sure that it's going to be workable for all of us. Wow, that's amazing. Wow, really, uh, really great conversation. A lot of food for thought. So I really appreciate your time, Shanisa, and uh, for allowing us to step into your world and understand a little bit about what you're doing day to day. So I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show today. Thank you for the time. And hopefully people don't feel too crazy, but yeah, it's coming. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you found today's episode useful and you took away a few key points. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get our latest episodes. If you'd like to find out how KBI can help grow your cyber business, then please head over to kbi.digital. This podcast was brought to you by KBI.media, the voice of cyber.